Well, we're continuing in our saga series this morning, and last week we uh, started this series. We got to part number two, and we talked about a blue pill and a red pill last week and how we should choose the red pill because the red pill leads to life. Well, today we're going to continue the series, and we're going to shift gears a little bit um, because last week we talked all about Jesus, and for the next four weeks we're going to be talking about the disciples and what happened to the disciples after Jesus had ascended into heaven. But before we talk about that... Um, I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait for things. I like things instantly, right? You know, I, I hate to, to stand in line and wait for things. And I wonder how long it takes you, each and every one of you, to wait before you get frustrated or you react to something or you just want to give up. Now, if we know how long we've got to wait for something, we're normally okay. Normally, we're fine in the waiting because we know how long something is going to take. If we have a little glimpse into the future, we're okay with waiting for something, unless you're like a five-year-old on Christmas Eve, but hopefully you're not. Now, for most of you, if you have a life event, say you found out that you were going to have a baby, and some of you are like, oh, please, no, but If you're going to have a baby, you know that you can wait for that baby because you've got to prepare for that baby to come. I had a baby, well, my wife had a baby last week, came two weeks too early. We were not prepared, I'm telling you. But you know if you're going to have a baby, then you've got to prepare. You know if you're going to get married, that you may want to get married tomorrow, but you know there's so much stuff to do for your wedding that you are, are, are okay with waiting because there's so much to prepare for. Maybe you're at school and you're preparing to graduate, but you know there's a certain day when you have to graduate by and that you are preparing for that graduation. After that, then you go into the big wide world and you get prepared to go into the big, wide, big world. So we are okay when we know into the future and we are okay to wait. But if we don't know how long something's going to last, that is when we get a little frustrated. That is when we don't always understand uh, the waiting and how long something is going to take. So I'm going to ask you guys this morning some, some questions. Say you go to the doctor's office. Say your appointment's at 10 o'clock. You get there at 10 o'clock, and surprise, surprise, the doctor does not come out at 10 o'clock, right? I mean, doctors never come out at the time when your appointment is. So how long would it take you to wait in the doctor's office before you got frustrated? Probably like 30 minutes, maybe. Maybe. If it got a little more, you probably want to ask the receptionist, when's my appointment? When's the doctor going to come and see? Maybe like 30 minutes. Now, if you were going to go maybe to Disney World or to Six Flags or Hershey Park and they got the best ride there and you see this big long line waiting to get in line, how long would you wait in line for that? Maybe, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes if you're impatient. But if you know it's like two hours, you like forget it. It's not worth waiting for two hours for that ride. Now, what, what, what if uh, you were waiting, uh, say, uh, for your spouse to get ready in the morning? Yeah, now, now we're getting real, right? So my spouse, uh, I'm always waiting for her, and uh, 
she's just the way she's wired. That's fine. But so what happens is I get ready in the morning and then I like, babe, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And she's like, okay, okay, you're rushing me. I'm not going to go as quick now because you're rushing me. And she, she always says to me, she says, why is it that you're okay when you're getting ready, but as soon as you're done, then we have to go? Because I get impatient. I'm like, come on, let's get out of the house. And so how long would you wait for your spouse? Maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, before you're like, come on, let's go, you know, put the makeup on in the car. How about then uh, maybe if you're on a blind date? How many of you have ever been on a blind date? Whoa, not many of you. I've been on a couple of blind dates. Don't do them, I'm telling you. They just never work at all. But if you were sitting in a restaurant and you knew that the date was supposed to start at a certain time and the blind date did not show up, how long would you wait? Like 10 minutes, 20 minutes? If you're really desperate, maybe 30 minutes, like, please come. But we, we wouldn't wait very long. Okay, last one. So you're at the traffic light, and there's a car in front of you, and the light turns green, and the car does not move. How long would you last? Five seconds. I'm with you right here. Five seconds. I heard a statistic this week that somebody said uh, that most, the average person would wait 30 seconds. I'm like, what planet was that statistician on? I'm like, they must have been in the most patient place in the world. It's like that light turns green. I'm like, if they're not moving, I'm honking my horn. Come on, get a move on. See, we don't like to wait for things. We want things instantly. And in any story, in any saga that we talked about last week, there is a period of waiting. A saga we defined last week is a long story of heroic achievement. And last week we discovered that over 2,000 years ago, there was an heroic act that Jesus Christ did. And he chose to give his life in death so that our lives could live. And this story is intertwined into our lives. The moment we were born into this world, this story, this saga was, 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 was the story that defined our lives. And so we're in this story, in this saga. And in this story, there is always a moment of waiting when it feels like you're in the waiting room. Now, for those of you who like books or you like movies and books with stories and movies with stories, you always find in a book or a movie, there is a moment in that book or movie where things are just like floating along and they're not taking place very much. No action's taking place. It's like a boring part of the movie where, you know, you get up and you put the popcorn in because you know nothing's going to happen. And, and, and that's what happens because before the action happens, it's like there's this lull and that's exactly what happens in life. There is this lull in life before the action actually happens. And there always comes a point in your life when you have to play the waiting game and it seems like nothing is happening. So Jesus died. And last week we discovered that Jesus rose again from the dead. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus spent 40 days on earth after he died and rose again teaching and preparing his disciples for what was to come. 
Now, in, the mo- in this moment, the disciples were happy because Jesus was there. See, when Jesus is around, it seems like everything is good. Everybody's happy. It's like there's nothing to be concerned about. We are content. But little did they know, just in a few days, these disciples would go through a period of life where there would be nothing in their life. Nothingness was happening. No action. It's like they were going to go through a lull in their lives. So we're going to pick up this story in the book of Acts, chapter 1. The book of Acts, chapter 1. The book of Acts is written by a man called Luke, and it is the sequel to the gospel of Luke. He got a little bit more creative with his title on his second book than on his first book. But so the book of Acts, it was written by Luke, and it says this. In Luke, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In my first book, I told you, Philosus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Then verse 4 says this, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then verse 6, it says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, Jesus was taken into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So Jesus ascends into heaven. And as they strained to see him rising into the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among the men of Galilee. They said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So right here, this is the moment where Jesus leaves the disciples. Jesus is gone. So now what? Now what for the disciples? Well, Jesus had promised them that he was going to give them a gift who was going to be a comforter called the Holy Spirit. But the gift had not arrived yet, and Jesus had gone. So there's no Jesus, there's no Holy Spirit. They're in the middle of this moment of nothingness when nothing is happening in their lives. In this moment, they didn't know what to do. In this moment, they, they, everything they'd known about Jesus, about God, had just disappeared. It's like they had been on this high, and now they were on this low, and nothing was happening. And isn't that like our lives at times? We go through stuff in our lives when it feels like nothing is happening, when no action's taking place, we're, we're looking for the future, but in this moment, nothing is happening. But little did they know that in the future... 
things, great things were going to happen in their lives. But right now, life was bland and they were in a lull. See, when nothing happens in life, life suddenly starts to become a little frustrating. Don't you agree? I mean, I find when nothing's happening, I want something to happen. I want the action to happen. I want to be moving forward. I want to be getting my blessings. I want to be, be, be moving forward in my faith, in my, in my job, in, in, in my relationships. But when nothing is happening, life can be a little frustrating. And when you start to follow God, you start to understand that tomorrow is full of expectation. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, your tomorrow is bright. You have a good tomorrow. Tomorrow for you should be full of expectation. But today can be full of confusion and frustration. And it's through this lull in life when we go through these moments of nothingness that we start to discover who God really is. What are you waiting for today? In your life, what are you waiting for today? Maybe you're waiting for a spouse. Maybe all your friends have found their life partner, their soulmate, and you feel that you're just left on the shelf. And you're trying to find that one who is going to make you happy, that you can spend the rest of your life with, and you're just waiting for that husband or wife to come along. Maybe you're waiting for a child this morning and all your friends have had children, but you feel left, left alone or left out because you don't have children and you are waiting for that child to come. Maybe you're waiting for a job today and you feel that everybody else is getting on with their lives. They feel blessed and you are stuck because you, you hate your job or you don't have a job and you're waiting for your job and you're in the waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a prodigal child who has gone away from God. And it feels like they're just not going to come home and you're waiting for them to come home. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse, a husband or a wife who has gone away from God and you're waiting for them to come back to God. Or maybe you're waiting for an unfaithful spouse to become faithful once again. Or maybe for you, you're just waiting for a clean bill of health. But you're in that moment when you are waiting. If you are waiting for something today, then know this. And listen carefully. I believe this. The promise is created through the process. The promise is created through the process. The waiting is there for a reason. The miracle is found in the waiting. The miracle is found in the waiting. It's through those moments of waiting that God starts to work in your life. So these disciples, they're in this moment of nothingness. They're in this moment where Jesus has gone. The Holy Spirit hasn't come. They're not sure what to do, where where they are. In fact, the Bible uh, inclines to tell us that they were waiting for about 10 days. The reason I say 10 days is because when Jesus died, it was the Jewish festival of Passover. And when the promise actually came or the blessing came, it was the day of Pentecost, another Jewish festival. And there were 50 days between each other. So from Passover to Pentecost was 50 days. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was here for 40 days after he died. So if you want to do the quick maths, 50 minus 40, I believe is 10, right? So they were there for 10 days. You think 10 days? 10 days is nothing. 
You're like, I can wait for 10 days. You may say, I've been waiting for 10 months in the waiting room. I've been waiting for 10 years. It doesn't matter how long the waiting is. It's actually what you do in the waiting. And these disciples, even though they only waited for 10 days, it was 10 days that felt like agony because Jesus had left them. But it's what they did in the waiting that I believe had the potential or was a thing that thrust them in to what God wanted for their lives. And this is what happened. In, In that moment of waiting, the Bible tells us that they stuck together. The disciples stuck together. In fact, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it tells us, it says that they all met together. All the disciples, all the followers of Jesus, they all met together. Jesus had gone, but they decided to stick together. You know, you were created for community. You were created for relationship. And so often when we go through that waiting period in our lives, We often try to isolate ourselves. We often try to pull away from other people because the pain is too much. But it's in those moments that you need to come together. This is why I believe in church so much. Not just because it was God's chosen way to reach the world with the message of Jesus Christ, but also because of the community that you get together when you come together. The book of Hebrews tells us, it says that you should not neglect your gathering together. Because when you are together, you motivate each other, you encourage each other, you lift each other up. And it's in those moments when you are in the waiting that you need to be with other people, not pulling away, but be around other people who can motivate you and encourage you. You know, when you're you're with other people, time just seems to go a lot quicker than when you're on your own. And this is what the disciples did. They decided not to just be on their own, sulk in their own home because nothing was happening. Just wondered what's going on in life. But they decided, we're just going to get together in community. And if you're going through a waiting period in your life right now, I believe one of the best ways you can do is to stay together in community with other people. Develop friendships, develop relationships. Because it helps you go through that process. We also find that the disciples not just stayed together, but they also stayed constant in prayer. The Bible tells us in Acts 1.14, it says says there that they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. They were constantly united in prayer. Their prayer showed their strength. I don't know about you, but when I go through those waiting periods of nothingness in life, It's hard to pray. It's hard to pray when you feel that God isn't even listening. It's hard to pray when it feels like your prayer just goes up to the ceiling and hits hits the ceiling and comes right back down again. But these disciples, even in this moment of nothingness, even in this lull of life in the waiting room, they stay constant in prayer. And this is what I believe. Uh, It is so important to stay constant in prayer no matter what stage of life you are in. Obviously, prayer is communicating with God the Father. 
And for us, it's important to communicate with God the Father. We were made for relationship with each other and relationship with God. And through prayer, that's how we develop our relationship with God. But also prayer does this. Prayer builds faith. Prayer builds faith. And when you are in the waiting room, it's very easy for your faith to drain out of your soul, to leak out of your soul. When nothing's happening, it's very easy to say, where is God in all of this? But do you know what prayer does? Prayer builds your faith. It, 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 it like restocks your soul full of faith. The Bible tells us that it's by faith that we please God. And it's through this prayer, through staying constant in prayer, that we build our faith in God. So often when we're in the waiting, we'll start off praying hard. We're like, God, we're believing. We're believing that you're going to do this. We're believing for a spouse. We're believing for a child. We're believing for our particle child to come back. I'm believing for a job. I'm believing for a breakthrough. Uh, we, we start off like that. But then so often, as long, the longer we are in the waiting, the more the prayer becomes weaker and more inconsistent. But these disciples, the Bible says they stay constant united in prayer. And if you are in the waiting room right now of life, I encourage you, make sure that your prayer stays strong and it stays constant because it will build your faith through this time of waiting. See, the waiting room was designed to build your faith, but it has the potential to destroy your faith. And so you have a choice. If I stay in prayer, then it's going to build my faith. If I just look away from God, then it's going to destroy my faith. And these disciples, they decided to build their faith. And also we find that not only they stuck together, not only did they stay constant in prayer, but these disciples got on with life. Do you remember a disciple named Judas? He was the guy who betrayed Jesus for just a few pieces of silver. And then after he betrayed Jesus, like guilt set in on him. He went through this moment of depression and he decided to take his own life. And so there were 12 disciples and now there were 11 disciples. And now Jesus had gone. So what's the need for the disciples anymore if Jesus had gone? But you know what the disciples did? The disciples decided to get on with life. They decided to carry on as normal like nothing had ever changed. So they got together and they decided we're going to replace Judas with somebody else. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 21. It says, so the disciples nominated two men. I'm sorry, 21. It says, so we must, uh, so Peter said, so we must choose a replacement for Judas. From among the men who went with us The entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus Christ. The waiting room of life can be paralyzing. The waiting room of life can make you just want to stop and not do anything. It can make life stand still. Until you get what you want, you feel like you just can't carry on with life. But I've discovered in my life is that in those moments of waiting, in those moments of nothingness, that you must carry on with everyday life. And this is what the disciples did. They carried on. They didn't just sit there and sulk for 10 days because Jesus was gone. They carried on with life. Don't put your life on hold 
until you get what you are waiting for. For I believe it is in the middle of everyday life that God starts to fulfill his promises. You know, when I got out of college in the year 2000, I decided that I wasn't going to go and get a job. It wasn't because I was a bum and didn't want to do anything. But I decided I was going to wait until I got on staff at a church. Because I believed that God had called me to be a pastor. And so I was going to wait. And so one week went by, two weeks went by, three weeks, one month, two months. After about three months, my uncle visited our house. My uncle's a great man of God. And my uncle turned to me and he says, Alex, he said, he said, God isn't going to come and just bring a job out of the sky. He says, God is going to bring you out of everyday life. He said, when God called Peter, when God called Paul, it wasn't that they were on their knees praying that something would just drop out of heaven. They were just getting on with everyday life. He said to me, he says, Alex, you need to go and get a job and see what the real world's like. That's what he said to me. It was the best piece of advice I ever got. Because I'd been paralyzed because I didn't want to do anything until I got what I believed God had called me to be. But in that moment, I discovered that my life had been paralyzed. And that it's important to get on with everyday life because it's out of everyday life that God will fulfill his promises. If you're in the waiting, don't just stop there. Carry on as life is normal. You know, some people in the waiting room, they break under the tension of the weight of the waiting. Some people will break. And there'll be people who who will go through those moments in life when nothing is happening and they will break. They will lose their faith. They they will stop trusting in God. But then there will be those who are perfected in the waiting. That when the tension of the weight comes upon them, that they will be perfected. And this is exactly what happened to the disciples. You see, the disciples, because of the waiting, they were better Men and women of God, better disciples of God, better people, uh, who, better men and better women. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 2, in the middle of just everyday life. Remember, they'd been together, they had been praying, they just got on as life as normal. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then on the day of Pentecost, when the believers were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. See, the disciples had been in the waiting, but in this moment of the waiting, then God suddenly came and gave his promise. And there will come a day in your life when you don't have to wait anymore. There will come a day when you will get what you are waiting for. But impatience will kill your blessing and it has the ability to destroy your future. Don't be impatient in this waiting moment. See, waiting is part of life. And if you are in the waiting room right now, it is not abnormal. 
You may look at everybody else and think, why, why, why me? Why me? Why am I in this waiting room? Why aren't other people? You may think that you are abnormal, but it's normal to be in the waiting. If you're waiting for a spouse, it's normal. If you're waiting for a child when everybody else has had children, it is normal. If you are waiting for a prodigal child to come back, you think, what did I do wrong? It is normal. It is normal to be in the waiting. It is normal to wait for that opportunity because waiting is part of life. You are not abnormal if you are in the waiting. If, if you are there, whether it's 10 days or 10 weeks or 10 months or 10 years, it is normal to be in the waiting. See, everybody must go through the waiting. Anybody who's been used by God, seen the blessings of God, seen the power of God, seen the grace of God, has gone through that waiting period. It is the waiting that defines us. Last Saturday, in our house, we saw the waiting over for a child that we had prayed for 10 years for. 10 long years we prayed. And there were times when I thought, it's never going to happen. There were times when we decided to seek medicine and and, and to seek fertility because I was like, well, God isn't going to provide. But 10 long years, but this is what I discovered in those 10 years. I discovered that you can't isolate yourself, that you must gather around other people and stay in community because other people will support you and encourage you. I discovered that you must stay constant in prayer, that you can't let your prayer waver, that you must be expectant about what God is going to do and be constant in that. And I also discovered that you can't just stop life until you get what you're waiting for, that you must carry on in life. And I remember the day that I found out Raquel was pregnant. It was like we didn't believe it because it just surprised us in everyday life. And now... We have our blessing. Now we have our little miracle. But why? Because we we spent 10 years in the waiting. But you know what those 10 years did? Those 10 years molded us and shaped us and made us better disciples of Jesus. Better husbands, a better wife, a better dad to be and a mom to be. It's in those moments of waiting. And so in this moment, if you are in the waiting period, enjoy this time no matter how hard it may be because pretty soon things are going to get all crazy up in here. In my house, things are crazy right now. And that's what's going to happen in your life because soon God is going to end the waiting. So in this moment of the waiting period, prepare your hearts, develop friendships, build your faith. For when the waiting is over, you better be ready for what God is going to do. Because this story, this saga of your life, waiting is only for a period of time. The Bible tells us, though, weeping endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning.